0: This could be for the win. Looks good. And Gushu is out of rocks. Switzerland hands Canada its first loss, and Canada's next game is against Sweden, so things will not get any easier at all. Tough day at the office for Team Gushu. Last two Olympic games, Swiss has been tough on Canada. And Pyeongchang
1: denying Kevin Cooey of a bronze, and here, putting Brad Gushu... In the lost column. Okay, folks, shut off the Netflix, get the kids out of the pool. Hi, everyone. It's time for another special episode of Inside Curling. This is Daily Draw, presented by Coolbet for Friday, February 11th. Each and every day, we come on during the games in Beijing to give you everything curling. Today is no exception. Of course, we got another ten days or so of this. Thank you to Coolbet, a proud sponsor of curling and, frankly, all things ice-related. The logo is a bear, after all. If you love sports, make sure you join the thousands of people already enjoying life inside the CoolBet community. We are once again joined by our two pundits, uh, the Ambassadors, the Hall of Famers, and uh, they've been uh, had their clocks absolutely turned upside down. I'll explain to you what's going on, okay? Because Kevin's up. He doesn't know which end is up. Warren's been going to sleep for about six minutes. I talked to Warren, Kevin, last night about 11 o'clock, okay, p.m., and when he got on the phone, he said, good morning, Jim. Kev comes on this morning and says, good evening, everybody. I'm going, what the heck? What's going on? <laughs> How are you
2: doing, Kevin? Kevin. Oh, yeah, that's pretty funny. It's, well, that, it's the truth. I came on saying good evening. I didn't realize, well, I have no idea what time it is, but it, it's going really well. It's just funny when you call the, the games out of Beijing, your clock is exactly backwards. Right. So for me, it is evening right now and, and not morning. And uh, Anyway, it's great fun. The, the games are terrific.
1: Yeah, yeah, they really are. And Warren, I always see you when you come on with the triple extra large T, right? So that's what he's using to to stay awake.
0: Hey, I got to show you. You got to see the cup today. I see this.
1: Let's see it. Yes. Throw it, flash it up there. Wow. Curling a Canadian thing. That's cool. Yeah. We're going to have to get into your museum, Warren. You've got the ultimate curling man cave and uh, you're going to have to show us all that one day. Uh, We're doing this by video. Fellas put a shirt on with a collar. Okay. I've been wearing t-shirts for two years now since COVID. So let's get down to it. Uh, Day three. Of the curling, of course, we're into the men's and women's uh, draws now. Uh, Kev, uh, give us your wrap-up. There were three draws. Uh, you're going to give us the first two draws. What happened last night?
2: Well, you know what? It's sort of, a, I guess, the theme was big ends late in games is kind of what happened. So let's start with uh, Sheet A on the men's draw. Switzerland ROC. This was a really good game. Could have went either way until the 8th, and this is the theme of the day. Swiss got three in the 8th to go up 6-3 and held on uh, with that score. So that was a big win for Switzerland. Great Britain, USA, we called that game. They shared a couple of deuces in two and three, but then a big end in the 4th. USA. Actually, it could have been four or five quite easily, but ended up only being three. In the fifth, Grant Hardy made a beauty in turn draw to set up for a deuce to get back in the game, down one at that point. But then a really bad the next day, and that was in six, coming home. Chris Plies missed one and a half, but one real bad one. Gave up a steal of two in six. All of a sudden, GBR, Great Britain, Bruce Mowat, they're up six to five after six. In seven, a rock behind right behind the button. And Bruce Mallett with an intern draw, just if he freezes, it's a steal. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. Comes up a little heavy, bounces off, gives John Schuster the deuce. Shot of the game is in the eighth end by John Schuster. They are going to give up at least two. Well, it could have been three, maybe four. And they have a timeout. John's looking at a four ball combination. So a, f- a quadruple raise. Uh, it would have been, let's see, yellow onto yellow, red, red onto yellow, spin-in, top button. And Matt Hamilton does not agree with the call because it's crazy. John Schuster says, I got to play it. It's the Olympics. Oh, wow. He actually said that. And he plays it and he makes it perfect. Four balls. Bing, 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 bing. Top button. Locks. Bruce Mallett was sitting one. But basically, he did have kind of an outside chance of a a draw to the kind of side pin, but he didn't make it. And that was kind of your game winner. That was just incredible. Four ball combination, but I got to play it because it's the Olympics. That's got to be the quote of the year. And then a great deuce in nine. Uh, Actually, John had a double for four in nine, but two was lots. And they carried it home for the win. Hammy uh, McMillan Jr. actually hogged a guard in the last end to give them a chance, but hogged it, and then really there was no chance after that. Sweden, Italy, as expected, not close. Uh, Nicodine playing awesome, 9-3. Sweden, Denmark, China, really, really good game. China ended up winning that one 5-4. Let's move over to the the ladies' games. The game we called was Canada-Japan. For the halfway point, Fujisawa was 100%. Well, how are you going to beat somebody at 100%? Sets up steals in four and five and goes on to an 8-5 win against Canada. Now, Jennifer Jones and, and company didn't play too bad, but Team Japan, uh, Fujisao shooting 100. Chinami, Shida played great at third and just really overpowered Team Canada. USA, they are a big story right now. Tabitha Peterson, we all said it. How good she is. But she's ahead of everybody in the skipping position and not close against China. 8-4 final. Swiss against the ROC. Once again, the trend. Scoring big late. ROC looked good in this one until the 8th. I thought they might even win. And all of a sudden, a steal of 3 for Switzerland. Out of nowhere, Swiss ends up winning 8-7. So they had they had control. Couldn't keep it. South Korea against Great Britain. Same thing. Great Britain's up after 8 Thinking, okay, well, yeah, Meerhead's going, no problem. Gives up a four. South Korea gets a four ender in nine to end up winning that game, nine seven. So I'll tell you what, lots of exciting action. Just because a team is up late in the game, don't turn it off because it's not over for sure.
1: Way to go, Kevin. I see your very last pick. You picked uh, Korea to win that game. And you called it right. I did. Yeah.
2: It w- but it was looking a little doubtful there for, well, most of the game. But until all of a sudden they picked up four and that, uh, that did the trick.
1: If you want to see doubtful, I was quickly uh, keeping up my picks. I think I had two wins <laughs> out of that. So that's doubtful. We had another draw. Men's draw number four, Warren. Uh, bring us up to speed.
0: You bet. And a uh, pretty exciting game there this morning between Canada and Switzerland. We'll start at the fifth end. After five ends, it wasn't looking good for Canada. They were down 3-1 to one on the strength of a stolen two by the Swiss in the second end. In the sixth, Switzerland makes a mistake with their last stone. Gushu gets a draw for two to tie the game at 3-3. In the seventh, the Swiss blank. the ends continuing 3-3. Swartz draws the four foot. Score is now 4-3 Switzerland. Gushu tries a very difficult double to score two. Shot that I'm not even sure was there. They weren't sure it was there, but they looked at the philosophy of, do we want to be tied going home without Last Rock, or do we prefer to be down two? And that was the discussion. And I think in the end, they kind of decided, well... We're probably just as uh, far ahead to be down two with a hammer. Anyway, Gushu wrecked, and he got a little fortunate because he got a roll off the, off the guard he wrecked on, and he rolled into the forefoot and cut the Swiss down to one because they were counting two. Nevertheless, the score is now 5-3 to three, Switzerland. In the 10th end, Gushu tried everything possible to get something going. Nothing really worked. Benoit Swartz, with his first rock of the last end, made a double takeout on Canadian counters, and the Swiss win 5-3. to three. Now, this is an interesting game that Gushu outplayed Swartz on the percentage table, which, again, percentages don't always tell you what's going on. Gushu shot 89%. Swartz was 81 Overall, the Canadian team was at 88%, while the Swiss team was at 81 So as Gushu, I heard him say on a mic at one point in the game towards the end, he says, man... We just haven't been able to get a roll today. And that was pretty much the case. Every time they rolled, it was either not enough or too far. And that was kind of the difference on a number of occasions. So they get their first loss. The other two games on the ice, uh, nothing too exciting going on. Bruce Mowat arrived, for sure, after losing to the USA earlier in the day. They're up 5-2 to two after five ends on the strength of a stolen two in the fourth. In the sixth, Mowat has Last Rock, raises takeout for three, score 8-2 to two Britain. Norway draws the button for one in the seventh. That's enough. They concede the game 8-3 Britain. The game between ROC and Denmark, pretty much a blowout. The difference, listen to this one, ROC scored 6. That is 6 on the fifth end. Final score was 10-2, conceded after six ends by ROC. Just want to take a look at uh, some of the percentages on some of the other draws that were taking place. The men's draw, number 3, that uh, Kevin talked about with the USA versus Great Britain. uh, USA winning that 1-9-7. Schuster shot 93%. And so, Kevin, you mentioned he made that great shot, but it sounds like he was making pretty good shots the entire game. The U.S. team had an average of 85%. Difference was Bruce Mowat was only 74%, but his team was pretty good at 83%. The Swiss-Italy game. we got to look at this one. Nicodine, he's rolling. Easily won that game 9-3, but Nicodine shot 100% in that game. Not missing a thing. Team Sweden's average was 91%. He's rolling, and look out for Swedish Express. Women's draw number four. That was Jennifer Jones's first loss in two Olympics. I might add, Jones did not have a good game. Neither did her team. She only shot 66%. Caitlin lost 69. Peterman 78. Don McEwen had a good game, at 96. Meanwhile, on the other side of the of the uh, ice, the Japanese team shot 88 as a team overall, and skip shot 88%. Men's draw number four. Great Britain wins 8-3. Bruce Mowat shot 95% in that game, so that's quite a change from his game earlier in the day against Schuster, and overall as a team, Great Britain was 91%. So it looks like they were a little shaky starting, but uh, they have now got it together and they're on a roll. Looking at the standings, on the women's side, we have two undefeated teams, Switzerland and the United States, both at 3-0. We then have six teams with 2-1 and one records, Canada, Denmark, Japan, Republic of Korea, and Sweden. So I look at things now, I, I would say Switzerland and the United States are, are going to continue to roll. They're going to be in there, but the other two spots are going to be between these other five teams, I believe, because Great Britain's at 1-2. and two. I don't think Eve Muirhead's going to do it. ROC is at 0-2, oh and, and China's at 0-3. Oh on the men's side, Sweden on top, 3-0, and, oh, and again, as I mentioned, look out for Nicodine. Canada, Great Britain, Switzerland, and the United States, all at 2-1, and, and if I was to make a guess right now... The other three playoff positions in the men's side is going to be between those five teams. I think Nicodine is already going to be in there, and then below are the ones I don't think will make it: ROC, who has a two and two record; China, one and two, along with Norway, Italy, zero oh and two, and Denmark, zero oh and three. And that's where things are standing at the moment, Jim.
1: Four teams go through for the playoffs. Uh, are, are we ten teams, Kev? Round robin here, play nine games. Ten teams, nine games.
2: You bet. Yeah, nine game round robin, and then uh, top four out of that. No tiebreakers. So the draw of the button before the games is very, very important. When you see the log jams in the middle, mm-hmm. that, that could decide your, uh, your third and fourth place quite easily.
1: All right. You know, if you've watched curling for a while, uh, the skips don't always throw skip stones. We've seen it where they'll throw third stones and the third will throw the skip stones. However, the Swiss skips uh, sometimes don't throw their rocks. They sometimes don't throw third rocks and they'll go to throw second rocks. What is that all about, Kevin? Well, you know,
2: it's, it's a bit of a comfort zone, I think. De Cruz has played skip before. He's played third before and now he's throwing second stones and it's where you feel comfortable, I guess. Over the years, there's been all sorts of situations where maybe because of uh, sweeping in some cases, a person may not be either a little bit older, or just not a good sweeper, and they'll have them at the tee head holding the broom, and then the in, in a lot of cases, the younger or more fit players will be sweeping. That makes obvious sense, um, but it's, it's a comfort zone. The only downside that I've seen over the years with that is that the person having to throw last rock, so in the case of the Swiss, Benoit Schwartz, he doesn't have the opportunity to watch the line on all the rocks coming down, and then he has to throw last rock. So it's kind of a, a benefit if you are throwing last rocks to holding the broom simply because you get to see all the rocks come down the sheet so you know the ice better. That, you know That's the kind of the bottom line to that. Um, but otherwise, I don't think it makes much of a difference because it doesn't matter. You just want to set your team up to shoot the highest percentage possible. And in some cases, that would mean somebody other than the person at the tee head throwing the last two rocks. There's nothing wrong with it. The only problem is getting a line, getting to really understand the sheet of ice without holding the broom all the time. That's the only downside, but the upside is obviously a higher percentage, curling, which
1: matters. Right. Warren, do you want to add anything to that?
0: Sure. I think from my history, um, I think it's been very much a European thing. And as I look back in some of the early uh, teams at the World Championship level out of Europe, uh, you often had an older person skipping and a younger guy throwing skip rocks and i think in many cases that was because the younger guys because there was so little curling going on at europe at that point in time didn't have the experience of how how the game set up or how it how it could be called and at that point in time there's a quite a difference between how we played in north america and how they played in europe mm-hmm. so i think to some degree that's how it started over there there's, there's been teams do that in canada successfully the two i can think of off top of my head is in 1978 ed lukowich won the briar with mike chernoff and chernoff uh, skipped and lukowich uh through fourth rocks, sure enough, through third. And, of course, the other one that we should all remember is Brad Gushu and Russ Howard winning Olympic gold in 2006 with Russ throwing second stones and skipping the game. Mm -hmm. And I think very much to, to a large degree there was, again, a sweeping aspect because Russ being older, Brad was a kid there, that you had much more sweeping power with Brad at second and Russ holding the broom. So I think... It's depending upon those type of situations as to why those decisions are made, but it has not really been a commonplace thing in Canada. It's primarily been the European teams that have used it over time.
1: Right. If you've been listening to us for a while, uh, the guests we've had on, Mark Kennedy, Ben Hebert we had on the other day, we'll often hear that these guys in a poll, that they're the best ever at their position. And and so it's really cool to have those people on. Kev, you've always spoken about reading the ice. You got to read the ice. Who was the best reader, Kev? Of the ice when you when you were playing you can't you can't pick yourself okay because you were pretty good wow
2: well i would have to in in the, in the men's game in the women's game i'd have to go with jennifer jones she's just just fantastic at it mm-hmm. wayne madaw would would certainly rank up there with me uh in, in my over the 30 years that i played even wayne when he went and played the briar last year is still is just so good at it and he hadn't really curled to much degree for years, went in and put on a show (laughs) at the Briar. So, you know, just a special uh, eye for the game and and a special eye for the ice, in my opinion.
1: Were you any good, Warren, at reading the ice, or did you have to defer to somebody else?
2: I was uh, average, Jim. What did Hector think? (laughs) Yeah. What did Hector think of your ice reading, Warren?
1: (laughs) Well, there's a
0: good guy to bring up, because uh, if I had to pick a a guy of all time that i am aware of that uh, had the most uncanny ability to read ice and to sense things it was hector Gervais. and he would often uh, go out on a chunk of ice where there hadn't been a rock thrown and he'd put and you'd kind of go like really and uh, bingo, it would happen. I'd go, how the hell did he know that? <laughs> and uh, he just had a very uncanny sense. I think the other guy that was a great ice reader from my observation was Ed Wernick. He also had the same kind of sense that uh, that Hector did. They sort of, they were feel players. Those feel players, I think, kind of had a an extra perception of what was going on on the surface. But probably from my experience, I'd look at those two guys as being probably the, the best ice readers over time.
1: Okay. Uh, did you guys figure out how you did? Kevin, you, you weren't in. Ben Hebert was in. You were going pretty good there.
0: Well, I haven't got the ones at hand uh, from the day before, but I do know I had one draw where I was four for four, so I'll remember that. And I think overall, can you remember, Kevin, what we were? I think you were one up on me.
2: Yeah, I was 11 out of 12. You were 10 out of 12 that day. You're only as good as your last outing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yesterday's picks, that, that's what I was talking about, Jimmy. You're only as good as your last outing. I was really good two days ago yesterday. Not so good. I picked a pile wrong. I ended up being seven wins and four losses. So uh, I got beat up a little bit this time. I picked uh, ROC to beat Switzerland. Nope. Great Britain to beat USA. Nope. (laughs) Sweden to beat Italy and China to beat Denmark. Okay. So I'm two and two after the men's draw. Yep. USA, China. I picked it right. USA to win. Canada, Japan. I picked Canada. Whoops. Switzerland, ROC and South Korea, Great Britain. I picked both of those. So five and three, and then I picked ROC to beat Denmark, Great Britain to beat Norway. I picked Canada to beat Switzerland. Switzerland won. So seven good ones and four bad. So not a great day for me,
1: Jimmy. You know You're slippy. you're slipping.
2: How about you, Hansen? Well, I had a few problems
0: as well in that first draw. I had Switzerland over ROC. I had Great Britain over USA, which was no. I had Switzerland over Italy and Denmark over China. So that was okay. I was three for one. In the next draw with the women, I was USA over China. Yep. Canada over Japan. No. Switzerland over ROC. Yes. And uh, Britain over Korea. No. So I was two and two on that one. The last draw of the day, three games on the ice. ROC over Denmark. Yes. Britain over Norway. Yes. And I had Canada over Switzerland. No. Two-one. So for the day, I was seven and eleven.
1: So you're seven and four. Same as Kevin. Tough day at the office. <laughs> you guys are letting us down. Okay, you're letting us down. Hey, we're
0: still down. over fifty percent, Jim.
1: <laughs> Listen to these guys each and every day, and you can whip over to CoolBet, uh, lay down some shekels. Uh, I think I'm. I think I'm down. I'm down cash. So, no, no diapers for the kids. I need more money. Okay. <laughs> uh, we keep getting emails uh, every day, and we're uh, reading them as we do on our regular show weekly. But we've also been doing it each and every day during the games, and uh, today's no exception. We've got one. A lot of people are still talking about uh, mixed doubles. There's tons of conversation about it on, bo- on both sides. Ben Hebert, uh, you can go back and listen to the show yesterday about uh, you know Ben's take on the mixed doubles and the team that they sent. Whether we like it or not, we keep getting a bunch of emails about the mixed doubles, and here's one from Tony Malachuk. I think I'm pronouncing that right, or, or Miklachuk. Let's just go with Tony, Jim. Okay, let's just go with Tony. Tony M. Uh, (laughs) Right. Hello, you guys. Thanks for the podcast. I've just started to listen to them, and I enjoy them very much, and your summaries. got a question for you. I was looking forward to your take on the Canadian team mixed doubles outcome. I think you didn't do the issue justice and was expecting more dialogue on the Canadian team's collapse. Well, we're going to do it for you right now, Tony. (laughs) Specifically, rather than just talking about the result, I was looking forward to some insight. I thought communication between John Morris and Rachel Holman was poor. The relationship seemed to have an edge to it. They did not seem to like teammates as much as two capable individuals thrown together. It seemed like if they could just throw and sweep their own rocks, they'd be happier. When they threw well, there wasn't a positive energy that resulted that I could see. And when they were poor shots, they failed as individuals, it seems. They often disagreed on, the, on weight and line as the rocks were seated down the ice, which can be okay, but it doesn't seem like they developed any mechanism to work through this disagreement he goes on to say does the lack of prep for the team explain it all your conversation with Ben Hebert seemed to indicate that they were prepared how do you explain this result Kev do you agree disagree with what he's talking about or can you put your finger on why they lost
2: I don't know if there's uh, an agreement or disagreement with it. Um, one thing that I think people need to know with with that team is John Morris and Rachel Holman. They grew, they know each other since they were little kids. They've grown up together. They know each other. So when it comes to chemistry on the ice, the edge. Well, you've got John Morris, who's as bullheaded as anybody. I played with him for years. I know that. Right. And then Rachel Holman, and she's as bullheaded as anybody. So you've got <laughs> you've got two people that are awesome curlers, but their personalities are, they're as strong a humans as you're going to meet. So um, I, I don't think on the ice, either of them are ever going to be like warm and cuddly. Mm-hmm. That's just not going to happen. That's not their, not gonna happen. that's not going to happen. That's not their personalities. Just, you know, their personality is make the shot, <laughs> <laughs> period. You know, so um, to me, they were very close to getting into the finals. Italy was fantastic and just beat them by what, an eighth of an inch or something. Right. You know, in the last one, if we ask John, I have not talked to John since this is done. I will talk to him once he gets back. But the big game that, that they're going to look back upon was the Australia loss. You know, you just can't afford to lose to teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. And that was the game that hurt them. Losing to Italy, who went undefeated, that's that's not a problem. The, they. Mm-hmm. Nobody could beat them. But you know, and that's okay. But losing to a team that's, that's not going to have a chance at the playoffs, that was the game that really cost them. And to me, they, they played really good. Um, one thing that I noticed, though, and I want to mention it, because John Morris is as fit a human as you're going to find. He mm-hmm. is ultra fit. But with his age and mixed doubles, this is a fun thing. This is why I think this game is going to take off across the world because it's a young person sport. John Morris is playing against Majoner in that Italy Canada game. are sweeping every rock just as hard as John. John's, you know, sweating like crazy and and can't get his breath. You know, he's he's older guy, but fit. Like don't get like John is really fit. Moaner though, he's just way way younger, 26 years old, and not even having a problem getting his breath. It's no big deal. Just sweep like crazy, throw another one doesn't matter at that age. And so that's what I really appreciate about mixed doubles. It's, it's, a, it's an active young person game, fun for kids and young people. And that's what I really, really enjoy about it. But I, I, I have a hard time being too hard on on John and Rachel. They came within a sliver of getting into the playoffs and and uh, losing to Italy is no big deal. The haunting one would be that lost Australia if, if I were in their shoes.
1: Right. As you get older, Kevin... And uh, Warren, I want to get your answer on this too. What What's the first thing to go, Kev? Is it the nerves? Is it the eyesight? Is it physical execution? Everyone's got to face it, yeah, you know, one day to look up and go, I, I'm not doing this as well as I used to. <laughs> what uh, what do you think goes first as a high-performance curler?
2: Well, they all go kind of at the same time, unfortunately. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And as I'm getting older, I was always blessed with like eagle eyes. Awesome, awesome eyes. And I noticed now, I've got still pretty darn good eyes. Um, no need for glasses yet or anything, but I just can't see as crisp as I once could. So even playing pool, I just don't s- see the edge of the ball as clear and so on. And it's funny, you know, when it comes to top level sport of any kind, curling included, but it could be any sport. When your eyes aren't quite as crisp as they once were, that's sort of a God-given thing for a lot of athletes is really good mm-hmm. eyesight. Strength, obviously, and endurance. Because there's nothing you can do about that. That's just part of it. Um, but somebody like John Morris, now, he's as fit as you get. He's kept the old man bug away as far as he, long as he could because of his fitness uh, regimen is incredible. But there's nothing you can do about that. Father time is what it is. But I could just see the difference in that, that game against Italy. Both guys just sweeping their hearts out, but one guy noticeably, it's just easier on him, and that was Mm -hmm. Mujaner.
1: Right. Uh, Warren, what was the day like when you looked up and said, okay, i got to retire from curling?
0: I've always had a a very simple philosophy about that, and it's this. When you lose a game and a half hour later, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Right. And I think from my point of view, it was the mental aspect of I had to have the the killer instinct, the desire to wanting to win beyond all else. And um, I lost that pretty young. And I lost it probably because I was in the curling business and I was in that, involved with it 24 hours a day practically. And it became right. too much. And I think as a result of it, I just I, I couldn't put my head into... Uh, the game any longer so i think it's it's going to vary with people and some it's going to be the mental aspect and some it's going to be physical right and you see a lot of things happening now particular with with some of these guys with uh, the legs the knees the hips uh because of the great huge repetition during my time i was one of the few people that had that kind of repetition in throwing rocks but today guys like kevin are throwing thousands and thousands of stones that the body gives out
1: very good interesting answers for sure uh let's take a break when we come back we've got to get your you guys need to improve Okay, those are very dicey records that you have going into today's picks. Uh, We're going to get your Cool Bet picks. Stick around, everyone. Okay, I hope you're still with us. Welcome back, everybody. Wrapping up what happened. Again, we do it each and every day. The show comes out around 1 o'clock, and we'll do it for the rest of the games. Now we got men's draw number three we've got to get your picks you guys on, uh, what comes up ahead. Kev, why don't you go first?
2: All right. So the next, uh, draw the women's draw, Sweden versus Canada. That is an impossible one to pick, but I will pick Sweden because Jennifer Jones and company just didn't play very well against, uh, against Japan. Korea ROC, South Korea looks like they're getting into their stride. I'll pick them. And Japan, Denmark, <laughs> Japan, Fujisawa, hundred percent almost in her games. Uh, so I'll pick them. The men coming back on the ice, Italy, China. I think that'll be Italy's first win. Canada, Sweden. Wow. Yikes. Yeah. Oh boy. Canada, Sweden. Ah, Canada hand Nicodine their first loss. Uh, Switzerland over Denmark, USA over Norway. In the women's last draw, Japan over ROC, Switzerland over Denmark. Ooh, Great Britain, USA. Tabitha is just on fire. i got to pick USA. Sweden, China, Sweden. Those are my picks, Jimmy.
1: Uh, good idea. Canada's the day off. Maybe they need it after uh, Jennifer Jones lost. Uh, okay, Warren, you're up, my friend. Well, on
0: the women's draw number four. Again, tough game between Sweden and Canada. Jennifer Jones had a tough game, but Sweden hasn't been in exactly lighting it up either. So I think Jennifer Jones and squad are going to get it together. They're going to take that game. I think Korea will be easy over ROC, as will Japan over Denmark. Italy-China. China, China, watching there this morning, they are playing not that bad. They're playing pretty well. I think they will continue. They will win that game. Canada-Sweden, yes. Brad Gushu is going to be in tough, but I think he's going to dig down because this is a game I think he really has to win, uh, particularly as we look towards the future in the playoffs. This could be who he's seeing, so it wouldn't be a good game for him to lose. So I think they will dig down. Denmark-Switzerland, I think a little question after watching this morning that the Swiss will take that one. USA will be successful over Norway, I do believe. Although Norway in that game this morning, they played fairly well. You can't give them any opening. So if John Schuster, as Benny calls him, Schusty Cakes, comes through like he did last <laughs> night. <laughs> what a bad nickname, man. When Schusty Cakes. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but anyway. Women's draw number five, uh, ROC Japan. Yes, Japan, the way they played this morning, they're rolling. The Swiss women over Denmark, yes, as well. USA over Great Britain, yes. Eve Muirhead struggling. And uh, for sure, Hasselberg over China. So that's the way I see it.
1: Thank you, Hansy Cakes. I'm going to call you Hansy Cakes. <laughs> Hansy Cakes and Martin Cakes. I'd like Yama. to know
0: where it came from, actually.
1: <laughs> oh, my. There's, a, there's one for story time, which we do on our weekly podcast. Uh, that's a wrap. Uh, great job, boys. Uh, again, uh, tune in t- uh, tomorrow and every other day during the games of Beijing uh, at about what, 1 o'clock. Uh, cool Bet, a proud sponsor of Curling and, frankly, all things ice-related. The logo is a polar bear, after all. If you love sports, make sure you join the thousands of people already enjoying life inside the CoolBet Bet community. If you're feeling so inclined, uh, head over to their website, uh, lay down some cash, okay? Uh, there's, there's really good odds. I, I was watching it yesterday, so you would have won lots of money if you didn't bet Canada in the men's draw, so uh, check them out. Send us an email. We read them each and every day, and we get a lot of them. Uh, check us out on Facebook and our Facebook group. Rod Paulson handles all that. Thanks a lot to... Rod, you can email us, insidecurling at gmail.com. And who better to have your questions answered by World Curling Hall of Famer Kevin in as a curler, of course, and Warren, you're in as a builder. And I'm not in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Well, that's going to to change soon. (laughs) You guys are are going to take me over the the top. Uh, I certainly wouldn't get in for talking, that's for sure. Uh, We're on Twitter at uh, Inside. (laughs) Boys, go get some rest, and we'll be back again tomorrow with another special edition of Inside Curling. This has been Daily Draw. Talk to you later, Warren. See you, Kev. Thanks, Jim. Okay, thanks a lot, Jimmy.